0: This week on Crossing the Lane Lines.
1: Uh, At one point in time, Detroit was among one of the major urban cities that had the most operational pools. Uh, We're talking elementary schools, uh, middle schools, high schools, parks and recreation department, YMCA's, boys and girls clubs. Uh, We even had a swimmobile. I'm not sure on your side of the country if if you guys had this back in the day. But, you know, there was a mobile pool that was driven around communities across the city for citizens to enjoy, especially on hot summer months. You know, um, so swimming has always been prominent. Um, There have always been great swimmers, great uh, rich history of swimmers that have gone on to swim um, at uh, historically black colleges.
0: This week on Crossing the Lane Lines, Detroit was once known as the Motor City and the birthplace of Motown but it was also home to one of the most thriving black swim communities in the country where great swim legends like Robert Bucky Johnson and Clyde James plied their trade. Notable swim coaches like Carl Edwards and Clarence Gatlife paced the decks, but like so many other rich black swimming traditions, racism, access and lack of interest began to erode this Mecca of aquatic excellence. But one man is changing that for the better. We'll speak to Coach Javon Waters Sr., head coach of Detroit All Stars, and the founder and director of Aqualife, about Detroit swimming's past and its bright future. Stay tuned. In San Francisco, this is Najee Ali and you're listening to Crossing the Lane Lines. Since we founded this podcast nearly three years ago in the wake of racial uprising in in this country as a result of George Floyd's lynching, our mission has been to highlight the many achievements, challenges, and ways forward within the Black aquatics community in general and the Black swim community in particular. One such way was to highlight the rich swimming communities that thrived in Philadelphia Pittsburgh, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, and Chicago. Notable swimmers and coaches like Kevin Colquitt, Malachi Cunningham, and Lauren Hill have shared their stories. But we have done you all and ourselves a disservice by omitting a city that has had a rich black swim history as far back as the 1930s. The Motor City. The home of Motown. Detroit. Legendary coaches like Carl Edwards and Clarice Gatlife continually churned out champion swimmers like Robert Bucky Washington, a perennial winner who in the summer of 1941, won virtually every event he entered, and Clyde James, a three-time All-American. But over the years, as was the case in so many urban centers of this nation, racism, access, and lack of interest brought a once rich and vibrant black swim tradition down. But a funny thing happened on the way to the pool. That once thriving community is seeing a resurgence. And our guest today is one of those that is spearheading that effort. Javon Waters Sr. is a former competitive swimmer and is the founder and head coach of Detroit All-Star Aquatics. In addition, he is the owner and director of Aqualife Swim School. Coach Javon Waters, welcome to Crossing the Lane Lines.
1: Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Najee. It's a a pleasure to be here.
0: It's a pleasure to have you on the show. All right, Coach, here's my favorite question, and I love to ask it because it sets up the rest of the discussion. Tell us about your swim history. When did you start swimming, and when did you transition into competitive swimming?
1: Well, Najee, I didn't have the traditional path into swimming as most coaches. In Detroit, like most urban communities, football and basketball are king. You know, they're the premier sports for you. Uh, football is my first love. So I started Little League at about eight years old and played all the way through high school and had dreams of a collegiate career. Well, swimming changed those plans real quick, okay? <laughs> uh, during my freshman year, uh, my friend wanted to go to swim tryouts. Um, he wanted me to accompany him. He wanted me to go with them. Now, he has some competitive swimming experience, and I had zero, okay? My experience went as far as passing the D test in swim class. (laughs) That was about all I had, you know. So um, after the first day of tryouts, I pretty much got my butt handed to me uh, during practice. I mean, these kids were swimming up and down the pool so fast, butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, and I'm I'm barely making 25s freestyle, you know. Um, I didn't quit initially anyway. I tried to stick it out, but. After a few days, I figured it was just wasting time and space, so I decided to, you know, hang it up. Um, And what happened the very next day would probably become the most pivotal moment in my aquatics career. Um, Our senior captain and my best friend showed up to my door after practice to speak with my mom. Um, At the time, she had no idea I even went to tryouts. So uh, our, our captain told her about tryouts, and he thought I had potential. And I'm like, Dude, did you see me partially drowning every day at practice? You know, he's like, I'm like, what what potential, you know? But now, as a coach, I understand and what he saw. So, anyway, my mom turned and looked at me and just gave me a look. Uh, we know how moms can be, looked with, with a thousand words and turned back to him and said, Oh, he'll be at practice tomorrow and politely closed the door. And I'm like, Mom, you know what's going on? She said, uh, Son, in this house, we finish what we start. She said, did you start the season? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, you're going to finish it. And from there, I went on to have a pretty decent high school swimming career. Uh, I was part of a three-peat league champion for Detroit Public School League. Um, I won the. I was part of the winning 200 medley relay, 50 freestyle and 100 freestyle my junior and senior year. Um, but what made my high school swimming more special was and what kind of began my love for teaching is the culture set by my high school coach, Sandra Richards. Um, we were required to become lifeguard and CPA, uh, CPR and first aid certified. Uh, we were teacher's aide during the PE swim classes. Uh, we taught Saturday swim programs and summer swim pro, uh, summer swim classes that the Detroit public schools held each year. Um, I also taught swim lessons at a program called the NYSP, that's National Youth Sports Program, Uh, which was basically a summer day camp that housed multiple sports for youth in the community. So by the time I graduated, I had accumulated more hours teaching than I had coaching. So that was pretty much the gist of my swimming career and how I kind of transitioned into my love of teaching.
0: As I mentioned in my introduction, the city of Detroit was once known as the Motor City for its automobile legacy, as well as the birthplace of Motown. But its association with swimming, especially black swim programs, is not really well known. Coach Waters, I'm wondering if you could talk about the history of black Detroit aquatics from what you knew and where it is now.
1: Yeah, so uh, great question. And by me, kind of just now learning the history is some things I can speak on. I have a couple of people I need to go to. I'll call them my swim historians. But uh, Detroit has always had a rich history of swimming in the past. Uh, at one point in time Detroit was among one of the major urban cities that had the most operational pools. Uh we're talking elementary schools, uh middle schools, high schools, parks and recreation department, YMCAs, boys and girls clubs. Uh we even had a swimmobile. I'm not sure on your side of the country if if you guys had this back in the day, but you know, there was a mobile pool that was driven around communities across the city for citizens to enjoy, especially on hot summer months. You know. Um so swimming has always been prominent. Um, There have always been great swimmers, great, uh, rich history of swimmers that have gone on to swim um, at uh, historically black colleges. Um, Also, uh, in 1948, I believe the year was, USA Swimming held their Olympic diving trials on the west side of Detroit. And I believe in 1956 and 1960, the Olympic trials were held there as well. It's called uh, Brennan Pools. Um, it's in Rouge Park, again, on the west side of Detroit. So I had to double-check my sources on that. Um, also, man, during your introduction, you uh, you named some heavy hitters like Carl Edwards and Clyde James, um, who, by the way, is still actively involved um, in swimming in the city of Detroit, uh, more specifically with the Detroit Public School League. Um, you had other names uh, like Robert Jenkins, um Man, there's so many today. I don't want to make sure I leave any, anybody out. Uh, one, of, one of my closest friends and uh, mentors, if you will, is uh, Gary Peterson. He's my swimming historian, by the way. You know, and these guys kind of paved the way um, on where swimming is now in Detroit. So, but like swimming in black communities all over the country, it has this diminished. But we are seeing a resurgence of swimming come back in the last five years or so, and uh, it's definitely been refreshing to see.
0: Constantly on this show throughout the last three years, we have said that representation matters. If you can't see it, how can you be it? I'm wondering if you could talk a little about what drove you to found Detroit All Star Aquatics and about some of the successes and challenges you've had over the years.
1: Well, Naja, you just said it representation. You know, we we needed more of it and we wanted to provide different avenues, different lanes, Um, and the more broad spectrum of dispelling the myth that blacks don't swim. You know, so I said, okay, well you know we're going to uh create a program um, that's going to be able to showcase the talents and swimming that we can achieve. So uh actually my partner and I, his name is Aaron Lamar, uh we sat on the deck one day jokingly said, you know what, man, we're gonna start our own swim team one day. And then, lo and behold, um, 2018 is when uh, Detroit All-Stars um, started. And from there, you know, it was only up for us, right, coming from, again, um, out of the funk of swimming kind of in the down phase here in Detroit. Um, and as far as the the challenges, uh, you, you, we're always going to see challenges as far as Um, Two men with a passion now learning how to be entrepreneurs in a world that's predominantly white uh, that does present challenges, you know, uniquely that way. So um, we had to first educate the decision makers on aquatics because it's a lot of non-aquatic people that are making aquatic decisions. So we had to uh, definitely make sure we had to let them know that that this is – a factor in young people's lives uh, is something that is important. Every child should encompass with learning how to swim. Um, of course, we went through the statistics of the drowning rates in America. Um, just recently uh, we had a drowning in one of Detroit public schools here. Unfortunately, um, the young man did pass away, um, but I thought that was a great opportunity to use that as far as education of those decision makers on the importance of, implementing these type of programs. So uh, we currently run out of the Detroit Public Schools pools. So we um, that's where we rent, and that's where we host our uh, practices at. Um, but the the successes have come as well um, as far as seeing the numbers grow, seeing more and more people that are interested in competitive swimming. Um, it was kind of a catch-22, um, starting a program, and then having COVID kind of happen right in the middle of it. Uh, with the fact that, you know, it was kind of hard for us to get some momentum anyway. But once COVID started, it's like, man, we have to start get our momentum going, you know, get it back going. But one of the positive things was once we came out of COVID, um, well, let me backtrack. As entrepreneurs, it's kind of hard to stop a program and then start it. But for us, it was more of a a way to kind of put a pause on what we are doing and reevaluate what we can do better. And that's exactly what we used it for. Um, and then on the other side of COVID, a lot more families, you know, steered away from those mainstream sports, such as football and basketball and track, and they wanted something different and something new for their kids. You know, so we we help hopefully help provide that with swimming. Um, so yes, it's definitely been a roller coaster ride, um, but right now we're definitely um, having a lot of success, and we plan on seeing that grow in the future.
0: I'm wondering if you could talk about your Aqualife swim program and its importance in the black community.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, water safety awareness. And again, with uh, Detroit and Michigan uh, being surrounded by large bodies of water, um is utter, utter the utmost importance that children in this area specifically. And children all over the country have water safety awareness and learn how to swim. Uh, we like to call it waterproofing our babies. So that's that's what um, our main focus is. Uh, you know, our mission statement is to provide an opportunity for excellence in the sport of swimming and in life. And that's really what it's about. You know, it's, it's really a family oriented culture and atmosphere. Um, we started in January of 2020 and we had 12, Students enrolled in our program, again, just getting it started and getting off the ground. And then lo and behold, COVID happened again in March. We reevaluated, um, and now we just finished our spring enrollment, and we have 118 kids enrolled in our program. Um, our target area um, was K-8 through because, again, those are some of the more higher-risk um, youth for drowning, especially in our community. Um, but we look to add programs targeted for infants and toddlers coming in soon. Um, Another thing, too, that we noticed here in the past several months coming out of the new year is, man, we had quite a few adults reaching out to us and asking for lessons. Man, that just warmed our hearts so much because, again, you have all those onset fears, um, you know, that are built in over time where adults just kind of shy away from it. But now that we see that the adults see that, learning how to swim and water safety is an importance, that means, again, now it's going to be a trickle-down effect to their children who's going to say, you know, what, this is important and we need to have this in our community. So, so Aqualife uh, Swim School, again, now looks to um, open our second location, hopefully in the summer, fingers crossed. But, yes, it's definitely making a statement in the community that we thought it would have. <laughs>
0: I'm sure you're quite aware of the controversy and fallout of Fina's decision last summer to ban the use of larger swim caps that would be able to fit the hair, such as those in our community, for the Olympics. By that, I mean braids, dreads, afros, and so on. Fina said that the caps presently worn were fine for everyone's head, which I find laughable, and that the sole cap, the makers of the cap that was banned, did not follow the natural curvature of the head. Essentially, what Fina said was that black swimmers' hair needed to conform to their standards, thus making it far more challenging to get black children and adults in the water. Coach Waters, in your opinion, what needs to be done to address this sort of discrimination?
1: Wow, Um, yeah, and I'm I'm with you on that one, Naj. I I found some of those compliments laughable as well. and what needs to be done is number 1 education um educating on the needs of black people like you said those with uh those with locks those with braids those with afros cannot conform to what you think is um you know acceptable for our needs you know and then that takes us back to representation you know if you have um committees or boards with sina uh, with USA Swimming, um, with other uh, national governing bodies, we need to have representation that's sitting on those committees and on those boards that can speak directly to what are the needs of black swimmers, right? With those numbers increasingly growing all over the country and all over the world, um, it needs to be, you know, shed some light on it. It needs to be brought to attention, you know? So um, that definitely it. Um, and also, I don't know, can't speak to Estina. Even um, spoke out. Uh, did they reach out to any of the athletes? Because that would have been my number one stop. Is let's talk to the athletes directly to see what their needs are. You know, so I don't. I don't know if that happened or not. But that's definitely something that should have happened. So, um, yeah, definitely is something that needs to be addressed. Um, and hopefully, it is. Um, so people can understand that. Hey, you know, our opinions matter as well.
0: Oh, well, i expound on something you mentioned earlier. Black children are five times more likely to drown than white children. Often, these drowning rate stats go back to a generational issue. Their parents never learned, so the children don't know how. Further, economics have also played a part, as well as available access. And, of course, racism has been instrumental in creating a disparity. Coach Waters, I've had a previous guest on the show, Sean Slevin, who is actively trying to get legislation passed through the New York House and Senate to make swimming mandatory in all public schools in the state. My question to you is thus. Should we look further and see if we can lobby the U.S. House and Congress to make this a federal mandate for all public schools nationwide?
1: Uh, first of all, shout out to Sean 11. I am familiar with uh, the legislation that he's trying to get passed in New York, and I am in full support on it. And absolutely, uh, it should be a federal mandate for all public schools nationwide. I mean, again, just looking at the numbers, looking at the statistics um, of the drowning rate for youth in America, and that um, people of color are five times as more likely to drown. Um, yeah, that's that's something that should be alarming. That's something that, that should, you know, have uh, the eyebrows raised of anybody um That's in the U.S. House or the Congress, you know, to say, you know what, this is something that needs to be addressed immediately and what can we do to stop it? You know, um, again, that's something that we saw here in Detroit with part of um, the decline and youth that were involved in swimming was the same thing that happened in New York is they didn't mandate as they had in the past that swimming become part of the curriculum. Um, for the educational system here, you know, and and I'm not quite sure how long it's been, but it's been too long in my opinion that swimming is not required. It's not required to uh, pass classes, not required to graduate, again, as it had been in the past when we saw a lot of the prominence and a lot of the prestige of swimming here um, in Detroit specifically that I can speak to. But, yes, I am in uh, full support of Sean Slevin, and, yes, it should be a federal mandate for all public schools to require Uh, more to safety awareness and learning as well as as a curriculum.
0: The Black History Invitational swim meet held in D.C. just concluded. And hopefully the National Black Heritage Championship swim meet will be going on next May in North Carolina. Now, here is a chance for black swimmers to come together and compete at events where they are not strangers in a strange land. It's also a place where any swim team, irrespective of race, can come to compete and many have over the years. In your opinion, should there be more meets like this happening around the country, like in, say, Atlanta, Los Angeles and Chicago, to name a few?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And shout out to. um, To the host of the. National Black History Meet in Washington, D.C. Definitely was glad to see that they got that off the ground this year. Um, and uh, I know Kathy Cooper is uh, one of the uh, directors for the National Black Heritage Meet that's held in uh, North Carolina every May. And I um, do know that they're looking to have that meet next year. They won't have it this year. But, yes, they definitely need to have the more cultural meets um, that are available and that are advertised. Um, across the country, and I think having them in some of the major urban cities definitely bodes well, but uh, even maybe in some of the predominantly white cities as well, right, so they can see um, a little bit what diversity is in swimming, right, because a lot of those children um, won't even encounter, you know, uh, swimming at that, uh, well, black swimmers, I should say, you know, um, usually in their lives, it doesn't happen often. You know, so that might be a way to kind of bridge that gap um, and say, hey, we do swim. You know, dispel the the, the myth that we don't swim and we swim at a high level. We have not been doing it for a long time. You know, so yes, um, I definitely believe that it needs to happen um, and it needs to happen soon. I think USA Swimming um, definitely needs to look at what can they do to make that happen sometime here in the near future. Uh, And I definitely know we'll be uh, uh, more than willing to uh, have a meet like that on that level here in in Detroit, here in Michigan, Um, you know, as long as we can plan ahead for it. We we would love to host a meet like that.
0: And finally, as we wrap up, I'm wondering, Coach Javon, if you could tell us about a weekly Friday event that takes place at the Waters home. I seem to recall it involves a favorite food of mine. (laughs)
1: Oh, man, you done your research, huh, Nadie? So, so yeah, in the the Waters household, um, my wife and I, uh, not even really sure how the tradition started. I think my son might have started it. He's a big foodie. And um, every Friday night in my household is pizza night. Uh, And actually, my wife and I just did the math on it because we haven't even really thought about it. But it's been pizza night in the Waters household for the past 11 years. Obviously, we missed a few nights here and there, but not very many, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that's something that we uh, we haven't missed. Actually, we just had uh, Hungry Howie's this past Friday. We like to switch it up. We go to some local spots. Um, we found some Mom and Pops uh, homemade pizza shops, and then we do some of the franchises. Not a lot of them, but Hungry Howie's is probably our favorite. Um, love pizza, right, because, you know, you can always get – Uh, the the versatility of it. You can always switch your toppings up, you know, so definitely one of our favorite foods here at 290.
0: And we are going to have to leave it there. Our guest today has been Coach Javon Waters, Sr., a former competitive swimmer, head coach of the Detroit All-Star Aquatics, and founder and director of Aqualife. And he is one of the key people that is reviving the rich black swimming tradition in the greater Detroit area. Coach Javon Waters, We wish you and your family health and safety during these challenging times in our country. And thank you again for joining us today on Crossing the Lane Lines.
1: Anaji, thank you for having me. It's definitely been an honor and I appreciate you and all that you do for the swimming community and raising awareness and uh, you keep up the good fight. Um, And again, thank you for having me on your show.
0: You've been listening to Crossing the Lane Lines which is produced by the Black Swim Collective at our studios in San Francisco, California. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you receive your podcast. From all of us here, we thank you so much for your support. And remember, no lives matter until Black Lives Matter. In San Francisco, this is Naji Ali for Crossing the Lane Lines.
1: Signing off.